My guest today is Ross Marshall. Ross is a co-founder of DEI Partners, and with DEI Partner, he is tackling the subject of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but he is doing it in a digital way. So um, during the episode, I will uh, let him explain to you what is meant by that, but I find that approach very innovative. And uh, what I also like is the fact that his services, the services that are provided by his company are pretty international. It is not really not limited to the uh, uh, United States, which is uh, the country where he is uh, living. Also, what is important about this uh, episode is uh, we'll be talking about how could we measure inclusion. Uh, I believe that one is something that is important because very often it is just seen as a um, kind of cost center, diversity, equity, and inclusion that is not part of uh, the core business of a company. So without further ado, let's listen to Ross Marshall. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and uh, welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to Ross Marshall. Ross, how are you? I am well and excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm excited to have you because uh, we'll be talking about the subject of diversity, equity, inclusion, but in a specific way. And that's what makes this episode intriguing. So can you maybe uh, start by uh, sharing your career story uh, to the audience, uh, Ross? Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me and letting me tell my story because it started back in the mid-90s. I was in the entertainment business. I was a production manager, worked on over 70 TV shows and movies. And as a production manager, you have a lot of responsibility to bring in the best crew, people behind the camera as possible. Mm -hmm. And what I always did was hire people of color, get them in the door, get them that experience, build up their networks so that they can leave and build up their careers and go on to do bigger and better things. But I noticed that production is three to six months. I'm rebuilding every time I, I start a new production. And if I'm not in that role, that those steps are never taken. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make the transition from just being a production manager to establishing frameworks that are turnkey so it doesn't take a Ross there to make sure it happens. You know, they have the tools necessary to recreate this model. And that's really when I transitioned out of the entertainment industry and into the DEI space you know and as such as a practitioner in that space we offered services that are very traditional coaching uh training opening up my network so they can you know get more diverse hires those type of avenues when did you transition uh, to uh, the diversity space okay that happened back in around 2008 okay okay, okay. so I very recently, like two years ago, rediscovered LinkedIn. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna reach out to everybody that is in the DEI space. I'm gonna create some kind of community there, right? So uh, if you were in the DEI space, I sent an invite out to connect with you. Hey, I see we have some people in contact, we should connect, you know, boom. And if you accepted that, then I follow up and say, hey, thanks for connecting, basically, if you see anybody in my network that you want to meet, I'm happy to make that introduction to you. Plus, wow. if you want to connect directly, you can find me on Calendarly. And I tell you, 
it has changed my world because by just putting that option out there to connect with people on the real, man, it was crazy how my condo fills up. And those discussions, those connections, those friendships and bonds that have developed from there have led to our whole new business model. And now we, we still offer those traditional services, but really what we've come to find is that there are a lot of digital platforms out there used in the world that would do really well in America. But these organizations, for whatever reasons, are having a hard time launching in America. You know, they're successful in Canada. They're doing it in Australia, England, Africa. But America is a very specific marketplace. And they just need help being introduced to that. So that's what we've sort of taken our direction in. Because these tools are allowing organizations to really create equity and measure inclusion. And those tools together are tremendously helpful in an organization's journey, in their DEI you know, journey. So we are happy that we're working with these you know, platforms, organizations, to really make it easier for U.S. organizations to be more equitable. When you were uh, reaching out to those people in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, most of the time, what was their role? Uh, actually, when we were getting into this change of direction, we reached out to our personal network. And these are CEOs. These are okay. basically leaders of their organizations. Okay. And it wasn't like a business call. It was more like, what's going on? I saw you make a statement. What are you guys doing to support that? And they're like, Ross, you know, and this is this honest talk that we don't know where to go. You know, we feel like we're throwing stuff against the wall. Some stuff is sticking. Some stuff is not. And I was like, you know what? You're right. We don't know. So then I started looking like, how can we actually measure inclusion? Like, I know HR, I know Infinity Groups, ERGs, they're, take, they're doing polls. They have a good sense of what the culture is of an organization. But like, how do we put a number to that? And then how do we monitor that? How do we make that grow? Well, we had to really look outside our borders to find companies that could do it for us. Now, we work with People Insight based in Canada, and they're great about aggregating HR technologies or source materials, source systems, because every department has it. HR has their systems, marketing has their systems, manufacturing, supply lines have their own systems. But how do we aggregate all that raw data? Mm -hmm. right? We got all that quantitative, and then how do we get that qualitative stuff in there as well? Well, this company helps us synthesize all that data together in a nice dashboard. So now we can see all like that lens of diversity at all lines of business for an organization. So we can see what you're doing in leadership. We can see what you're doing in talent acquisition. We can see what you're doing in mentorship. And it's just amazing the, the breadth of scope that we have now. Yeah, so that's very, uh, very interesting and very exciting. So between 2008 and now, you have created or co-created a DEI partner. And you, you mentioned that you, have, you had created a, a lot of friendships, uh, build a great network that helped you to build that model. So you have co-created it, I think, with two other people, if I'm not wrong. Yes, I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I have two partners, uh, Eric Harris. He's a lawyer. He's been lead counsel for a bunch of startups, especially in the tech industry. And uh, Eric and I's story started back when we were like, nine and 10. We grew up together. Oh, wow. We played tennis against each other. And I think the tennis relationship sort of speaks to our relationship growing up because I used to be everybody. I was a brute. I could out muscle you. I would win. Eric was a thin, lanky kid and he beat me every game. 
and he would let me play. He like, I'm going to play until I win. We would play till the lights come home. We help hop on bikes. And he always beat me because he had finesse. I think I'm much more in your face, more forward. He's the finesse guy, you know. So, <laughs> and, and that and that kind of partnership brotherhood has maintained our, you know, to this day. You now, mm-hmm. 40 years later, we're still we're still like brothers. And then our third partner, Luis uh, Rosado, we worked together at KPMG. And we met by serving on diversity boards together and putting actionable plans together. And then we reconnected at Cornell's program. Uh, we were in their certificate program for diversity. And we reconnected there. We happened to be taking it together and just getting these guys together. Uh, we had no choice but to form mm-hmm. uh, DI partners. And through that growth, you know, is again, digital equity inclusion. And that's, that's really where we're heading in that direction we feel that's where that space is is moving to anyway yeah before going on to the, the specifics of what you're putting in place with uh, the dei hub i just would like to know your vision of like when we say diversity uh, equity inclusion in the context of a company uh, what does that mean to you uh, what's the vision behind that because this sure. can mean different things for, for many people it, it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people i think at the end of the day what I want to do is when I work with these organizations, I want them to have a culture of belonging where everybody feels that they can come with their full selves and be accepted. That's, that's really it. it, you know, and maybe it's a little ideal because we're dealing with people, you know, I know like black people can't all get together and be as big as one. I mean, there's personalities, people are people, but if we can just get past some of these barriers that are in place, I think we'd be in a much better place overall so, as a world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. And that's uh, building that culture of belonging in 2021 must be a, a very different conversation than in 2008 uh, when you started. But better than the conversation would have been in 1950. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, right? Okay. I mean, yes, yeah. I mean, for, for people of color, the future is always brighter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's always progresses in the, the right uh, direction. So, perfect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so with the DEI hub, yeah. you mentioned the word platform. So I'm, I have my uh, kind of information technology uh, brain that says, yeah, okay, there has been developers, there has been users, there's a, a marketplace. How does it look like that uh, DEI hub? It's a new concept because we just want to get the technology in these organizations. So the first thing that we have up there is our network, because we feel that if you reach out to us, no matter where you are, we can help we can find a solution that meets your needs. After that, you know, we have these like People Insights uh, is a really a chief partner of ours. So their information is there on our website. You can go directly to them and work with them or you can work with us and them. It doesn't cost you any money to work with us and them. That's one advantage. Plus we've also been down this road with other partners so we can help with the implementation. We can help with, you know, and then you get like, our insights on what you, your organization is doing. So you're not just walking through with a bunch of techie guys that can do it. You're working with a trusted partner mm-hmm. that can take you through this whole process there. And the great thing is that it's not extra money out your pocket for your organization. You know, we worked it out with our, with our partners. Mm-hmm. So, and so you get the benefit of us or the benefit without us, but you're still getting the benefit. Yeah. And that's something that we make with all our partners because we believe in it. It's not a big profit center for us. It's about getting that technology out there and in place to help. So if we can make that happen, then we're happy. 
that is very interesting. And are most organizations that use uh, the technology, do they end up asking for your involvement in implementation or the majority of the companies are happy just learning it by themselves? Well, you know, most of our, our customers, clients are within our personal circle. So it's mm -hmm. much more, it's a smoother process that we work with you guys. Yeah. We know yeah. you, we know specifically what we want out of this. So that way, when we talk to the techie people, we can translate that and make that whole integration a lot smoother. Okay. And, and then you get those key insights developed, and then we can start actually working on maybe developing KPIs and working towards those goals. Yeah, exactly. So I would like to come to that point at the point of KPI and measuring the, the level of uh, inclusion of a, of a company. Uh, just one mm -hmm. other question about uh, your uh, client base. Is there, are there specifically uh, companies that work in specific industries or is really companies that work uh, all across the economy? Uh? You know, it's not really industry specific, but I will say that it's about the size of your organization. Mm -hmm. If you have a hundred people in your, in your org, you're creating, you're beginning to create that kind of big data. You know, you can get going with there. You know, you can do your HR polls. You know, you get those top line metrics, their race, gender, those type of things there. You're starting to generate that for us. Around 1,000 to 5,000 is our sweet spot. Uh, we find those organizations are in the most need because they are developing, they're growing. It's time to start putting those measurements into place. Mm -hmm. So that's a really sweet spot for us. Not so much industry, but size. Okay, more size. Great. So now, if can you provide maybe just whether or not you want to give the name of a company, but uh, like one example of uh, an organization you work with and uh, you could have some results in terms of uh, measuring the inclusion so that uh, it enables people to understand how you could measure inclusion uh, with a uh, example? You know, one thing that we're working on right now that I think is pretty dynamic mm -hmm. is working with an organization that wants to increase their sales in the Northwest region of the U.S. by 20%. We know by looking at their data that they need to bring on 10 salespeople in that region to reach that benchmark. So now we are creating a, a, a roadmap for them to hire salespeople that are reflective of those communities. So now we're not only taking internal data, but we're also looking at uh, polling. We're looking at, you know, stuff that's created by the government there, a way of, you know, uh, surveys and demographic information there and combine the two. So we're really pushing our people are actually pushing us to take it to the next level. But I think actually happening right now, we're very excited about. Yeah, it's a proactive way of doing it, meaning uh, it's not only the, the employees that are already there and okay, I have an issue, can you can you solve it? It's also, I my plan is to grow in the, in that, uh, in the Northwest of the US. Uh, what would be the best way to do it if we want to uh, take into account the DEI, so uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we're talking right. about the measurement, it really has a, an impact on the revenue of a company. So that, that, yeah. that's for sure. Okay. It's great when you have a partner that, that recognizes the business case for yes. diversity. You know? yes. and, that, and I think also to that, it's like it's, for us at our level, if we don't have leadership buy-in, it's probably not going to be a good partnership. <laughs> yes. You know, you for want sure. me to come in and talk to middle management? Hmm, I've been in middle management. They're not going to buy into it unless they see leadership buying into it. Yeah. Yes, yes, for sure. For, for anything, I believe that if you don't have the leadership with you, it's, it makes it very, uh, very difficult. Uh, before recording, you, you were referring to the fact that you have companies coming from outside of the United States. So uh, do you have some countries that you could cite? And what does that tell you about uh, 
the DEI uh, all over the world? Well, I think that well, I have the opportunity to work on global strategies for DEI. And so when you get outside of the United States, the dynamics are a little bit different. There could be uh, sexual orientation issues. There can be religious issues, sex. Uh, so there's, the dynamics are a little bit different there. It may seem a little bit less, maybe more nuanced than in America, but nonetheless, there are issues that are complicated, deep-seated, and take a you know really proactive strategy to try to mm-hmm. mitigate some of those. So it's been interesting working with these international companies because their products, their platforms really do work. It's just having a hard time introducing it to the United States. But I think what they're doing is is fascinating. Like we're working with this company down in Australia, Diversity Atlas, and uh, it's diversity mapping at its finest. They really see themselves as stewards of information. They catalog 9,000 languages, 7,000 religions, because when you look at your workforce in a highly segmented way, you get to see some connections there. Mm-hmm. And this is what it really helps us to do. So in America, it's either like you're the white guy or the black guy, but you know maybe you're more nuanced than that. Maybe you're Irish and Czechoslovakian and you have all these other dimensions that you have just basically never addressed because you're supposed to act this way because you're white mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so we find that with these diversity mapping exercises that hey you know these conversations leave the office they go home like hey mom where did you say grandma was from and when did she come over here you know and now you're starting the conversation and you start seeing how unique you are and like, hey you know what I came over and you came over and, you know, intersectionality we're looking for. Yeah, that happens actually uh, every day in the, in the workplace. You know, you have that little chatter that uh, starts before a meeting and you start to say, oh, yeah, I have my kids. So even more with the, the pandemic, I have my kids. You just start school and then you have, oh, yeah, me too. I have a kid who starts school or I have a kid that I need to bring to the soccer practice. Oh, okay, I also have. So there are so many, as you said, so many commonalities that we can find the uh, beyond uh, just looking at the skin color of course the other thing i had another question in my uh, in my head is related to uh, how did you come to the idea of uh, building a uh, a platform because not everybody is thinking about it usually when i speak with someone who is in uh, in dei could be someone that is uh, working for a big company and uh, more often than not it's a woman also and that woman is the leader of dei uh, responsible and usually they are uh, starting initiating programs aimed at maybe having more uh, making it up here aim at having uh, more women in uh, in the board of administration or more women in uh, uh, in leadership with that type of goals here you're talking more about sense of belonging and uh, intersectionality so uh, was that a brainstorm that you had with your uh, partners eric and, yeah. uh, and the other guy with regards to the, the concept of coming with platform well you know what it was it was like how can we empower these people in those positions? Because I find a lot of times that I go, I'm the CDO, Chief Diversity Officer. I have no budget. I'm a department of one. And this is a global Fortune 500 company, you know? So like, what do they need to get the ball rolling? They need the numbers and they need to be able to tell the story, right? Yeah. So now like, it's not like I have a hunch or like, if we go do this, it'll mean this for us. But now you have numbers and you can tell the story. So you can say, hey, if we take this journey in this direction with these numbers, we can be assured of this kind of outcome. And this isn't really where we want to be. So now we're taking out a lot of guesswork, a lot of like, I got a hunch, 
or like we're shooting from the hip. No, let's use the big data in a constructive way to tell a story about where we need to go. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can connect the numbers to the story with the right individual in that position, we empower them to get that ball rolling, get that action moving forward. Yeah, so it's really a data-driven service that you uh, provide. So from the numbers that you collect, and those numbers are collected through different softwares or is the discussions that you have? Well, that, that's the problem. It, these source systems are all different platforms per se. So what we're doing is taking it all and aggregating it into one system, a dashboard. Mm -hmm. So it's not a spreadsheet. If I'm going to get another spreadsheet, I'm going to put them all on fire. You know, this is a nice interactive dashboard, you know, using data visualization techniques here so we can actually visualize and get a real grasp of what the organization is doing. And then you can tell the story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think this is crucial for leadership because 95% of your organization is focused on today. You know, what do we got to do today to get through today? It's like the CEO, the board, those leadership roles where you're like, where are we going to be in 10 years? How do we get there? And those are the kind of things that you're concerned about. And those are the kind of things when you have these tools for the day, data and to tell the story will get their attention and they will see how that can be synthesized into their 10-year plan, whatever, for the growth, you know, make it all work, make it happen. That's excellent. And uh, I assume because you're working with a big organization, you say like more than a thousand employees, these are projects, those implementations, uh, they take several months to, uh, to get done. Uh, only time it takes, the actual technical part of it is not that labor intensive. Getting the final approval is what I find to be labor. But, you know, okay, we, yeah. we have partners, they have like the highest security protocols. They're proven in their marketplaces. So sometimes it's a little bit like, well, they don't have any service in the U.S. We would like to have that as a security protocol. But in reality, how many of us really know where our servers are? It's this whole thing. So I digress, but. But okay, okay. I understand that uh, technically speaking, it's it's pretty pretty faster. It's more like the yeah, the, yeah. The, actually, the technical yeah. implication implementation is relatively smooth and easy. Okay. okay. And how about the the team uh, at uh, DEI Partners? Are you the three partners together, or do you have some uh, external employees or just internal employees that are working with you? Uh? Well, you know, in our business, it's you know up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. it it's hard to scale at times, and sometimes you you worry about like, well, I need it now, but in three months when this contract is up, maybe not so much. That's so what we found is that we love to use the subcontracting business model. Yep. People use it with us. We use it with other people. It's always seemed to work out because we communicate. We know what we want out. Everybody knows what they want out of each other, and we all have confidence that, hey, I know you're going to be able to deliver that for me, so I don't have to worry about that. It's really worked out smoothly. Yeah, yeah, totally understandable. Like uh, in most B2B <laughs> services business, very difficult to predict. And that leads me to ask you about uh, the effect of the pandemic on your business because you started before yeah. the pandemic or even before the issues that happened uh, last year in the US. So how has it uh, impacted uh, your uh, business? You know, it's been a mixed bag. Actually, I feel that the clients that we had going into it were super tight now. It's like a friendship now. And we've gotten through this. We've had those scheduled meetings where it's like, it's just us, like, how you doing? Mm -hmm. like, really, everybody's at home. You know, it's a different dynamic. Um, not much hiring was going on. So it was just trying to, you know, hold steady and just mm -hmm. get through it. So I found the interaction, business transaction, more personal transaction, mm -hmm. which I feel is much more substantive. And yeah, I mean, the business is going to pick up again. It's going to 
keep moving forward. I don't think you know, George Floyd was provoked a lot of conversation mm-hmm. and a lot of action and a lot of short-term advances financially. But I think that the bridges that were built from those conversations will continue to be used okay. and grow. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's important. And uh, what you just said is like, because uh, I wanted to also ask you, yeah, what's your vision? Because it's, you're, you're in it since 2008. So the vision like for the next, the new decade that we just started, how do you, you see it evolve? You think, as you said, the bridges that have been built continue to be built. So you, you're positive with regards to the... the I am very positive. Yeah. I, I'm really positive. And I'm really positive for a lot of different reasons. Like I talk to these, these people just getting out of colleges and hitting, and hitting like, you know, the corporate world. And man, they come from a, such a different paradigm than I did. And it's so great to see. So I feel that we have that going for us. What, 2040 would be the first decade of a minority majority in the U.S.? So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to see more brown people in these mm-hmm. spaces that I go into. And I think that just what the younger generation coming into the workforce are demanding to see, it's just like, man, it's good to see. I agree with you. And uh, the world is progressing like that. And I think uh, intersectionality, uh, as, as you said, will be, uh, will be a given, I think. Uh, now it, we have to work on that, but uh, I think in the future it will, be a, it will be a given. So we have worked on the fact that, talk about the fact that uh, you have uh, built a platform. We have talked about uh, the DEI, your, your team, and also the future. Is there maybe uh, anything else, any other aspect of your business that we have not approached during this interview that you think would be worth uh, mentioning? Man, I just really want to try to get as many people to the digital hub, you know, deipartners.org. Uh, check it out. Love your feedback. Um, check out our partners. Check them yeah. out. They're legit. They will help your organization. And uh, check us out. We're happy to talk about it. You know, try to make it as accessible to everybody as possible. Yes. Yes. And um, I will put also the, those links in show notes. So for uh, any listener that... Uh, I uh, want to see it. So the deipartners.org, there will be a link to it uh, into the show notes of the episode. So uh, maybe the last question I wanted to ask uh, Russ is, uh, we are on Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. And uh, for you, Russ, as you're doing consulting in DEI for uh, quite a long time, uh, what does uh, having a consulting lifestyle mean to you? That's a good question. Because, <laughs> because I have some professional aspirations I would like to see happen. Uh, I would like to see more mechanisms in place for startups and even mid-sized companies to get on their DI journey sooner and, uh, and make it not so much a policy, but have it sort of filter down into culture. And I feel that the sooner we get our hands on these organizations, start implementing these measures, the better, better outcomes we'll have. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, and thanks, thanks for the for the answer. And maybe if uh, someone wants to uh, reach out to you uh, directly, Russ, uh, how can they uh, find you? Well, I am practically addicted to LinkedIn. So Ross Marshall, <laughs> DEI, you can find me there or Ross at DEIpartners.org. So that, uh, how do you define addiction to LinkedIn? Is it like every day? <laughs> <laughs> every day. It's like almost like, like I'm trying not to look at it right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's, it's more than me. I usually, I'm usually quite active on LinkedIn, but uh, okay. Okay, great. So uh, we definitely, uh, we definitely keep in touch as well on, uh, uh, on LinkedIn and I will um, put that on, on your show notes. So the link to your, um, your personal uh, LinkedIn profile. So thanks very much, uh, Ross, uh, talking about uh, DEI partners. And I believe that it's the present and the future. Uh, I mean, uh, equity and inclusion is just part of uh, what uh, makes a company work. Uh, definitely in the world. So, uh, uh, thanks very much for uh, for that and uh, keep uh, spreading that uh, great message. Thank you so much for having me and having this opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation on LinkedIn. 
Yes, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekoura.